Hi, and welcome to Relatable, a podcast dedicated to simplifying the complexities of modern everyday relationships. What if being great at relationships was easy for you? How would that change your life? How would that impact the people you love? I'm Fiona Lukies. Join me as I pull back the curtain on how easy it is for you to up your relationship game so you can enjoy effortless relationships with anyone in your life and become more relatable. Hi everyone. Today's episode of Relatable is a little longer than most. The episode goes for just over 50 minutes and I wanted to give you a heads up about that because there is so much wisdom There are so many golden nuggets being shared here by my guest, Elsie Spittle, and I really want to encourage you to listen all the way to the end. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. It's Fiona Lukies here, and I am absolutely delighted, thrilled, excited, whatever word you want to use to have the delightful Elsie Spittle on the call with me all the way from Salt Spring Island in British Columbia. So right on the other side of the world. Um, Thank you for being here, Elsie. Oh, it's my pleasure. Honestly, I'm I'm thrilled to be invited. You hold a a dear place in my heart. You're on the island with some of your friends and colleagues. And uh, I remember having an enjoyable dinner with you. And you've just been close to my heart. You're doing such wonderful work in Australia. So I was very pleased, and especially given your topic for this podcast. Let me just give everybody who's listening a a brief background on you, Elsie, because you're a very special lady who has, I think, contributed so much to the world in so many ways. And I know that you were a very good friend of Sid's before he had his experience And so you've been in this conversation right from the very, very, very beginning. You've authored numerous books. You run the school with Chip Chipman on Salt Spring Island, the three P school, which if you've never been to, I highly recommend. I had probably one of the deepest spiritual experiences of my life. I really did. It was extraordinary. And I, intend on coming back as soon as possible. Uh, So Elsie has this incredible way of just being the principles in motion in every kind of moment. I've really felt that from talking to you. You just exude this understanding in every fibre of your being and you're such a delightful person to be around. And the Relatable podcast to me is all about how we relate to life, how we show up. And it's often something that we don't look at very often because we're so used to looking at how life responds to us as opposed to how we respond to life and I think one of the things that you talk about so beautifully and what I wanted to really focus on today was our relationship with that intelligence behind life or that spiritual connection we have to something bigger than us which in the three principles community we call mind and I know that you've spoken about this a lot being mentored by mind and I really wanted to explore that with you today. Oh, lovely. It doesn't end. This phrase, mentored by mind, came to me maybe a year and a half or two ago, and it keeps bringing new insight to me. And, you know, when you look at what mind is, that it's the spiritual energy behind life, and it's infinite, like there's no end to it. So in that context, it's not a surprise that I continue to gain insight from that phrase and from mind. And part of it for me 
what that woke up was my relationship to mind. I'd been hearing in my travels in the community and doing conferences, and I myself talked about mind, consciousness, and thought, and wisdom as if they were separate from us. As if wisdom, for example, had my back, or I was walking through life shoulder to shoulder with wisdom. And then there was a moment, I think, in London at the London conference where I heard another presenter talking about plugging into wisdom and how sometimes, as an analogy, we may feel unplugged. And so all we need to do is plug back in. And that really struck me, the innocence of that statement, and also the profundity that we're never unconnected. That's what came to me, that we are mind, consciousness, and thought. And that's how we are relatable, because we are <laughs> what we're looking for. And we have this infinite knowledge just waiting to be released continuously, like as much as we can take, as much as we're open to it. And that really started a deeper journey for me, seeing that we are mind, we are consciousness, we are thought, we are the principles in motion. And that's just been so empowering, Fiona. And as I say, never ending. We're so used to being brought up, I guess, with that conversation of you need to do something to feel connected. There, there is some requirement that you need to bring to the table in order to, to be worthy of. And to have that realisation that that's actually a misunderstanding, that we are already there, is, to me, I still haven't seen everything there is to see, and I know that's a lifelong journey, but every time... I see that a little more deeply, the sense of relief and hope and comfort and faith and trust that life is unfolding and all is well. Yes. It's, yes. it's just such a gift. I mean, we were talking about what a blessing this is before we, we press record on the, on the call. And, and it is, it's just the depth to that is, it's hard for me to put into words. It is. You know, the other thing that came to mind as you were sharing what this means to you is that being mentored by mind and feeling the relationship with mind has brought me comfort when I don't know where I'm going or what's the next step. For the last year again, my body has been talking to me, advising me to rest. For a long time in my journey, I was more aware and honored my spiritual nature rather than my physical nature. And so uh, I would be in service and on call wherever I was requested to travel in the world. I've been a student of this understanding for over 45 years, so I've traveled and done a lot of work. And my body was finally rebelling a little bit, like it needed rest. And I wasn't paying attention to it until finally the pain got worse. And I realized, you know, my body is the form of this formless creative intelligence behind life. 
And I'd never seen that so much. I'd never related to that like I did once I had that insight where I realized form and formless are one. I'd heard that. I'd heard Sid talk about it beautifully, but it was over my head. I got a feeling for it, and that was about the extent of it. But when I finally got the insight that my body was telling me something, and it was time I listened to it, I had a whole nother relationship then to the form of this energy, the spiritual energy, and started to honor my body and my human nature equally with my spiritual nature. And that's been a new chapter in my life because I felt I was listening to my body and to mind, the formless being mind, and mind also being my body. Whereas I was still kind of looking at my body while it's the physical form, I wasn't seeing it as the vessel that houses mind, consciousness, and thought. And so the more pain, physical pain, I experienced, and I'd see it come and go. Like if I'd be on a call like this, then the pain would, would go away. I wasn't conscious of the pain because I was so in the zone of my spiritual nature. After I finished the call again, I would feel the pain in my body. And I realized, okay, you know, I can see moving back and forth between no pain and pain in the physical. Just like, like say, a vehicle. You know, when the red light comes on because you need oil, you pay attention to it. I mean, it's so simple. But I wasn't relating that to my body. When you feel pain, you pay attention to it. And I was kind of feeling, well, I should be able to rise above this. And then I began to listen more deeply to my body and to mind. And what came out of that listening was stop traveling so much. You know, traveling overseas for 12 or 13 or 14 hours takes a lot from your body. And I had done that for so many years, as I mentioned, like well over 45 years, that I just realized, take care of your body. Being mentored by mind guided me kind of like against my intellect. My intellect was saying to me, you've committed to these various projects in London and here and there across the world. You've got to honor that. And then I woke up one morning and I realized, being mentored and guided by mind as we all are, that no, I needed to honor my body. What could I continue to give out if I wasn't honoring the form of the formless expressed in me physically and expressed in all of us physically? And I knew without question that I needed to cancel various projects, various trips, some clients coming to the island for mentoring. And when I did that, honest to God, I swear within two days, my body started to heal. I'm still in the process, but it opened a whole new chapter where, what next? So I've given up these projects, let them go. I knew it was right. It was completely appropriate. 
now how do I serve? How do I share with humanity? I didn't know. But the deeper relationship with mind gave me solace, gave me comfort, gave me patience, and I rested in the unknown. Beautiful, Elsie. When I, when I hear you share that, that's the thing we struggle with so much, isn't it? I love that, that phrase you just said, resting in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Normally people don't put those two words together in a sentence, resting <laughs> and unknown. I know. Can you describe that a little more for us, what, what you mean by that? Well, when we don't know what the next step is, intellectually, you know, we've, we've been raised that way. We've been educated that way. Like, we need to know what's your five-year plan, right? That's very commonplace. And as I have, you know, gone through my journey, that resting in the unknown was just, you know, I didn't know what that was. I'd never experienced it until I experienced it. I just felt I needed to have a plan. It didn't have to be a five-year plan. It could be a six-month plan. But I needed something. That's how I felt. My human nature was requiring me to have some idea of how I wanted to serve. And so intellectually, that was taking the space in my mind and not allowing insight to occur. There was no room for insight because my intellect was so busy grappling with what's the next step instead of just, I don't know what the next step is. And so I'll just sit a while. I'll just live my life. I'll just enjoy what's showing up in my life now. And that's what I mean by resting in the unknown. What I discovered by resting in the unknown It left space, it left leg room in my mind for insights to occur and guide me, once again, mentored by mind. I'll give you another example, Fiona. Um, For about a year and a half, my webmaster had been saying to me, you know, Elsie, I know you love to do one-on-one coaching, but have you ever considered doing like an online mentoring program? where you could reach a number of people instead of doing your mentoring one by one. No, 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 no. I'm not interested. You know, I love doing my one-on-ones, I said to him. So kind of like, don't bother me with doing anything online that's bigger. And so he was very kind and very gentle with me. And then finally, one day, uh, he asked if he could do a, a Zoom call with me. And I said, sure. What's it about? And he wouldn't tell me. And I thought, oh, interesting. And in the Zoom call, he had a a PowerPoint presentation of what an online mentoring program could look like. And at first, I was rather annoyed. It's like, really? Like I've said to you, I'm not interested. But then something caught me. His feeling for it, his enthusiasm for it, caught me, you know, caught not my intellect, but caught my soul. And I started to listen, and I got excited. Long story short, I did an online mentoring program. And the insights on how to do it, uh, you know, he had prepared some content, and, and I added my voice to it. But that all came from the unknown. 
because I had no idea how to do it or what to offer or what might be of interest to people. And I rested in not knowing. And out of that not knowing, insights came and I knew it had a feeling. And when anything has like that aliveness to it, you know it's right. I know you know that. And I'm sure much of your audience will know that feeling. When, when an insight comes to life for you, you know it's the way to go. And then after I did that first course, that was quite a lengthy course, my webmaster said, do you want to do another one, Elsie? And I said, I don't know. And he said, okay, like he knows me enough by now to just kind of let that ride. And about a month later, he said to me again, Elsie, do you have any feeling for whether you're going to do this? I said, I still don't know. I don't have a feeling for it yet. I knew I just needed to rest in not knowing and trust that mind would mentor me. And it did. There was one morning again when I was sitting quietly before a mentoring call, just with an individual. And what came to me when I mentor individuals, now I've kind of reduced it because I talk in shorthand. And I feel like three calls is my package. I started off doing eight, and then I saw when you go really deep, it's not about the length of time you're doing a program or a course, it's about the depth that you go to. And then you start talking and learning and sharing in shorthand because it's the depth of feeling that adds to the words. And so I'm sitting there quietly in my chair, just resting before my call, and it dawned on me, I could do the same for a mentoring program, offer three sessions, and everything came to me in about five minutes. The format, the topics, and I was away to the races. And it's like, here again, like when you don't know what to do, do nothing. Just rest in doing nothing and in the unknown and trust that wisdom will come to the surface and will guide us. Does that clarify it a little bit more? It very much does. And I think if you're listening to this and this is all new to you, I just encourage you to try on what Elsie is saying because I've certainly experienced that and, and, and I have to say as someone who grew up feeling unlucky, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my the backdrop. I just felt like I'd been given a bad roll of the dice this time around. I seem to have this background chatter of, well, some people get a good throw and some people don't get such a good throw and you just didn't get one time around. When I started to realise that there was this deeper intelligence behind life, literally mentoring me, I love that word, it's so true, mentoring me moment by moment. Sometimes I, I notice it and sometimes I don't, but that it's not unique to me. It's, it's, it's what we all have, it's who we all are. All of that fell away and this deep gratitude instantly just took over. Not not gratitude that I have to remind myself to think about. It was just there. Yes. Um, And, yeah, I love the way you describe that, Elsie, because it just takes so much away and leaves room for something else 
and it's the something else that's so delicious that I, <laughs> we don't often uh, appreciate or see. Yeah. That's also the beauty. Like, I know you know my early journey where I was so resistant to this, that Ken and I knew Sid, were, were close friends with him and his wife, Barb at the time, who passed away, you know, a number of years later. And we liked being around him when all of us were living in insecurity. You know, we, we got along and we had good times in our insecurity. We would tell each other stories about, ain't it awful? Like what's going on at the pulp mill? Ain't that awful? And what's going on with the union? Ain't that awful? You know, that's why I relate so much to what you were saying about feeling kind of luck, unlucky in your background. Us too. We felt very insecure and in that we'd been dealt a poor hand of cards. And then Sid went and had this profound insight about the three principles and completely changed in a matter of, of moments because he went so deep into this spiritual intelligence behind life that he had, I felt, the temerity, the arrogance to tell us three days after his experience when he came to visit that what he had found, these three principles, he didn't call them principles. At that point, he called them spiritual gifts. But he told Ken and I that these three spiritual gifts had the power to change the fields of psychology and psychiatry. He was a welder at the time. To say that Ken and I were dumbfounded and dismayed and I could go on and on, doesn't do it justice. It's like, what happened to him? And yet, he looked so different. His words really frightened us, confused us, but his physical presence and the way he carried himself and the light that was shining through him on his face, we knew something had happened to him. We didn't know what, because that was just totally out of our experience, but we could see, even despite our disbelief, that something had happened to the man. And so we thought, well, we'll just listen because he's a dear friend. But I fought it for about a year and a half. So if there's any disbelievers in your audience, I'm with you. <laughs> I've been there, done that. I can relate. We're talking about relationships. I can relate to not buying into this because it just was like a fairy tale. Who does this happen to? I never knew of anything. I was brought up very religious. I went to a convent. I knew about prophets and things like that through the Bible and, and what I was taught at the convent. But to have like a prophet come to life, a welder, you know, that was just beyond fantasy even. And yet, look what happened. From those three simple insights that he had, at one point, a university brought him in. A division of well-being and innate mental health was started at a university. And now it has spread throughout the world. So any disbelievers, all you need to do is just consider that it might be possible. and. Listen to what your own, what's stirring inside of you. 
because even in our disbelief in that first year and a half with Sid, we stayed close to him. Why? When we disbelieved him so much, when I began to confront him and argue with him because it was becoming painful to be with him, and yet I couldn't walk away because the joy of life that he walked in captivated me. So I would say things like, don't talk to me about this nonsense, Sid, but would you like to come to dinner? Or can we go out for lunch? Why was I drawn to be with him when my intellect was fighting him tooth and nail? And I honestly have never put it this way before. I've never asked that question of you or your audience or myself. It just occurred to me now. Why was I drawn to stay with him other than a recognition from within my own true nature? despite my intellectual horror at what he was saying. It was like when he would, he would talk about God and he was not a religious man. And, and so again, I couldn't relate to that because to me, the way I was brought up and educated, God was something very different from the way Sid talked about God not being an entity, about God being a spiritual creative intelligence behind life. It was like I didn't want to stand too close to him because I felt God was going to strike him dead with a bolt of lightning. That's how afraid I was intellectually. And yet I couldn't walk away from the man. Isn't that curious? Yes, it is. It is. It's like very compelling. Yes. No real understanding why, but you were just, and as you said, his, I, lo I love how you described that, his, his joy of life. Yes. I think, you know, we mentioned this a little bit before the call that people are drawn or looking for that simplicity behind life, being able to just live their lives. Well, just mowing the lawn. <laughs> you know, when we finally moved to Salt Spring Island after Sid did, you know, he left the, the pulp mill after about a year there, uh, after his experience, because he gained so much experience learning to share with his workmates and even being called in to the manager's office because he saw such a change in Sid and the way Sid related to his supervisors and managers and his coworkers, that he wanted to know what's going on with this man. And that was a very unusual thing for the plant manager to call in a worker to say, you know, how are you doing? What's happened to you? I'm hearing rumors. Sid spent an hour or two talking with them, never, ever revealed what they talked about. But they established a relationship that continued after Sid left the pulp mill to the point where that manager talked to somebody in human resources at the main office in Vancouver, and that person contacted Sid. And after about a year of Sid starting to share on Salt Spring Island, Sid was invited to go to the human resources and talk with a few of the executives there. And Sid invited me to accompany him. 
all from him sharing initially in that first year at work and the manager from his wisdom, not knowing anything about what had happened to him, but just recognizing something had happened to him that had changed his relationships at work. And so that's, that's the beauty of this. Every human being that is listening to this podcast will recognize this, the truth of this, to a degree, whatever degree they allow, so that even if you fight it or you're resistant to it or you think this is just all hogwash, there'll be something stirring in you. There'll be a degree of curiosity or there may be people, you know, filling up to the brim with beauty. Because after the year and a half when I thought I just can't stand to be around this man anymore, he's too damn happy for me. <laughs> and I remember him saying to me once when he was talking about thought, because thought intrigued me. It was kind of the only principle I could get a bit of a feel for. Not even a feel for it. It just was curious to me how he talked about thought. And, and he said to me, you know, dearie, it's the way you think about life that's creating your life. You know, that you're unhappy. I'm not unhappy. You know, I, I came back, you know, very confrontational. What makes you think I'm unhappy, I said. <laughs> and all he had to do was just look at my face, you know, with, the, you know, with angst on it. It's like, yeah, okay. And, and he said, it's just the way you're thinking about life, Elsie. It's, it's the way you're using the power of thought to create your reality. And I said, well, Sid, if you're saying that life is a bowl of cherries, I feel like my life is the pits. You know, that's how I felt. So that's why I could relate so much when you said that in your background as a child, you felt you were unlucky. I felt like my life was the pits. And here we now are, you know, sharing this beautiful gift of understanding that is inherent. It's like our spiritual inheritance in each and every soul. And that you don't have to do anything. Just be open to the possibility. You know, if there's any question in your mind, just be open to the possibility. And I remember that last fortuitous day where I saw Sid and Barb driving up my driveway and I was at the lowest point of my life. And you've heard this story. And I thought, oh, my goodness, here comes, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Happy-Go-Lucky. I just can't bear to see them. And so I, I hid in the bathroom because I couldn't see them. It was the only kind of safe place for me. And that was the turning point in my life because I was propelled out of the bathroom. I invited them back in just before they drove off. Uh, he was very kind and gentle to me in my despair. And then finally, I just wanted them to leave. And they left. And I had an insight in the midst of my anger. That's how powerful this is. That's how we all are mentored by mind that no matter what degree of resistance, 
no matter what degree of anger, because I'd never felt more rage. It's like, how dare he say, I have God within me. That's what I felt. With my religious background, he put his arm around me to comfort me. And he said, you know, dearie, you'll be okay. You have God within you, just like every soul on this planet. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, get out of my house, get out of my life. And off they went. And Barb said to Sid as they were driving away, she said, well, I guess that's it for our friendship with Elsie. And Sid said to her, no, no pet. He said, Elsie heard something today. And Barb responded, she did? My word, she sure has a funny way of showing it. I mean, she showed us the door. <laughs> but after they left, in my rage, there was a split second where my true nature came out and offered me insight, gave me a blessing. And the blessing was the insight, thought creates feeling. And that was the start of my journey, mentored by mind. I never knew that thought creates feeling. I thought all my feelings of poor me, ain't it awful, life is the pits, was a result of my circumstances, my lack of whatever. And that just transformed my life. That phrase was very clear to me, thought creates feeling, which is a principle, brought such a, an overwhelming feeling of worthiness because I'd always felt unworthy. I'd always felt, because of my religious background, full of sin. And that's what I was taught. You must repent. You must confess and then repent. Never was I taught to look at what was good in me. And now Sid is teaching at that point, we're all born in innate mental health. Oh my word, when he said statements like that, all I could relate to is, Sid, no, that's not so. We're all born in original sin. That's what I was taught. And so I just froze when he said things like that and again stood not too close to him until I had that first insight and then I started my journey and little by little had a few more insights mentored by mine. I want you all to really hear this because in that year and a half of resistance Sid continued to share with us from time to time because despite myself, and my, despite my saying to him, don't talk to me about this nonsense, and then I would ask him a question. It was like, without my volition, I would ask a question, because my true nature was stirring and wanted to know. Then he would respond, and my intellect would come in, and I'd give him help. Like, how dare you talk to me about this, Sid? I asked you not to. And he would twinkle at me. You know, his eyes would twinkle at me and he would smile. And I would get even more annoyed. 
But then I wanted more. I couldn't let it go. And so he was sharing with us. He was teaching us. I didn't hear it. It wasn't until I heard from within myself where I was mentored by mind within myself that I heard. I'm not saying that Sid wasn't a catalyst. I honor that deeply. He was most definitely a catalyst and my mentor. But when I heard, the first time I heard, I heard my own insight. I heard my own wisdom. And that one phrase continues to grow for me to this day. So that phrase now has become mentored by mind in its fullness. Yeah. That's so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's an amazing journey. Oh, it it is, and I still what I still find extraordinary is um, I don't have all my ducks lined up in a row, and I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you know, because I, 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 I was kind of growing up, and I think many of us are growing up to believe that when you tick those boxes that everyone says you need to tick, then you'll feel happy and life will work out the way you want it to. And, you know, you just have to work hard and, and keep trying to tick those boxes. And I think one of the, the greatest gifts, uh, and I get emotional when I think about it, I came across the principles when I was in the depths of despair, a, a little bit like you. I'd, I'd lost everything in the GFC, uh, the global financial crisis. I was flat broke with four young children. My youngest was eight months old and I was having regular panic attacks. I couldn't sleep and I was consumed with how can I fix this? How can I fix this? How can I fix this? That was the very first thing I heard when I came across this understanding was that feeling of I'm not on my own because I felt so alone. And it's so scary when you feel so alone that you've got to work it out and you need to come up with the answers and they're not coming. And I've got these children I've got to take care of. I've got to make this okay. And it was just, so the the sense of came over me. Just, I I can't even describe it. And I didn't even understand what mind was. I didn't understand any of it, but I'd never had that feeling. It felt like an eternity since I'd sort of gone, oh, and uh, I just followed that. And I didn't even know what I was following. Um, but this sense of relief, and that's just something that's growing and I'm still learning about and, and understanding. And But the more I look, the more I just have this foundation of it's okay. Even if this isn't lined up, even if I haven't ticked the boxes, even if I, you know, I don't have the answers, just just living your life from that place, if nothing else, is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Wow. Wow. And I thought the greatest thing was all about ticking the boxes. So it's just this, yeah. That's beautiful, Fiona. I didn't know that. I didn't know you had gone through all that. And what really strikes me is that you just, there didn't seem to be any resistance in you that when you came across this understanding, you just felt this tremendous relief. Like you knew, even though you didn't understand it, you knew 
there was something here. Yes, I did. It was very strong. Very strong. Wow. I think that's remarkable. I really do. That says so much about you as a soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that you didn't have to go and fight all that intellectual stuff. Not that you didn't have to, that you didn't go through it in terms of what you just shared, mm. but that when you came across this, you recognized it. That's, that's a very high soul. If I can say that, that's what I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel uh, so lucky. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. funny for me to even say that because I always felt so unlucky. Now I feel like yeah. the luckiest person that that gift was given to me of all the yeah. gifts I got given yeah. that one. How lucky yeah. am I? Yeah. I love that. I just love that. And you know, part of this thing with the unknown and resting in the unknown and not having all the ducks or even thinking of any ducks, you know, checking off the boxes. I don't have any boxes to check off. I don't, I, I so don't have a plan. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so don't have a plan. It's so interesting. It's just in the moment guidance. Mm. And then whatever the next step unfolds, there's a vitality about that. That's what's just come to me as I'm hearing you and in this conversation is that resting in the unknown brings vitality. When you have all your ducks waiting to be checked off and you have a five-year plan, you're, you're in a box. You're surrounded by things to do and to accomplish and to achieve, and it's all spelled out for you. There's no freshness. When you don't know, it's a gift. It's like a present. When you get a present and it's all wrapped up, you don't know what's in it, but you're excited about this gift. That's how I would suggest people consider resting in the unknown. It's exciting. It offers vitality because you don't know what the next step is. And when the next step reveals itself, it's exciting and you're filled with this fresh energy again. When I knew that it was time for me to cancel these different projects and so on and so forth, resting in the unknown, and then realizing, okay, came the insight mentored by mine to do more uh, of these shorthand online mentoring sessions. And then there's still free time, and I don't want to, you know, anymore, so I'm saying no, I'm saying I'm booked for 2020, and I am, but my time isn't booked with clients. My time is booked with living. And so then about a month ago, I've known this for some time, but I've just, it's been in the back burner, that I had enough for another book. Volume two of Nuggets of Wisdom. Oh, I have Nuggets of Wisdom. I love that book. Uh, thank you. And I, I wasn't sure, like, then what's the next step? And I thought, well, i just sit with it. I don't know. So I'm resting in not knowing. And I know you, you know Barb Patterson very well, and that you know that Barb worked with me and contributed to the book. And that just unfolded because she was here. I was, you know, to spend some time with me on the island. And I had the manuscript pulled together, but it was very rough. 
And I felt moved to offer it to her because it was so much about business and industry and, you know, the corporate world. And I gave it to her because I was curious what she'd think about it. And as she started to read it, she was blown away by how I talked to the executives that I was working with and the insights that they were gaining, that they were gaining insights at a spiritual level, at a very deep level that then was impacting their relationships at work and with work. So she was like, wow, like you really talk to them about the spiritual nature of life and things like that? She could see by these nuggets. And as she started to share with her original voice what she was seeing, I was elevated and became intrigued by what she was sharing. Long story short, I asked her to write it down and then asked her to be a part of the book and to contribute and write some introductions to the sections in the book. So as I'm resting in now the second volume, how to do this, how to go about this, I went back to the old, right? Because that's what our human nature does. We go back to the old. But it, it wasn't alive. So I thought, okay, just sit with it. I don't know. I don't know. And then my daughter and daughter-in-law were on the island for the month of January, house-sitting for friends of ours. And one day it occurred to me, I wonder if they'd be interested in working with me and helping organize this manuscript. And so I asked them. They were thrilled and also insecure. And they have the book, Nuggets of Wisdom, and they love it. And they love Barb. They've never met Barb, but they love what she's written in the, in the book as well and so on. And so they were feeling the same, that when Barb started to work with me on the book, she was feeling uncertain whether she could offer anything. And I'm saying, like, you've touched me with your original voice and your insights and what you're seeing, because I've been taking things for granted. So you're waking me up. And it was the same thing with my girls, with Lynn and Kim. They were feeling uncertain and yet excited. We've had the best time working on this book. They're having very deep conversations as they're going through these nuggets of insights. Some they don't understand, and so they, they explore together, not in an analyzing way, but in a reflective way. And then the three of us get together and talk and so on and so forth. Now, I would never in a hundred years have thought that I would be working with my daughter and daughter-in-law on this book and having the best time. It's just amazing what comes out. You know what I mean? Like, I had no plan. That's what I mean about the vitality, that if people can see that when you don't have a plan, sometimes that's the gold. Yes, once upon a time, I would have been mortified to hear that. I would have been incredulous and not understanding. I remember the first time I met George Pransky, and um, I asked him about goals. And he said, well, I don't set goals, Fiona. And I said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> what do you mean you don't set goals? <laughs> how, how do you function? <laughs> that was hilarious. And I guess that's that unknown 
that's really the mentoring by mind, isn't it? Resting there and listening for valuing. I don't know what the word is, whatever, you know, different words mean different things. But for me, I always kind of think having an eye for, I, I always used to tend to have an eye for my problems and my concerns and my insecurities. That was where my eye went. Whereas my eye now seems to naturally look for freshness. Where is this alive for me? And if it's not alive, that's fine. Yes. I need to know why. I'll just keep looking for what is alive. That's just such a, I don't know, the word that keeps coming to me is comforting. It's a, such a, a comforting, delicious, peaceful way to live your life. It really is. It really is. Mm. Thank you. This so has been oh, such a wonderful conversation. You've woken up things in me too that I haven't, said before or considered before i've just loved our conversation and and i've loved what you've shared fiona well thank you elsie that certainly means a lot and i i was just thinking the same thing oh i'm going to take so much from this conversation thank you you are a, a gift to the world if people want to find out more about you elsie where, where should they go they can go to my website which is the number three phd.net and also on Facebook. I think I mentioned to you before you started to record that I had my webmaster just post like a minute video clip on there about just live. You know, it's like one minute and it's had an amazing, amazing response because people are hungry to just live. People are saying, yes, like they want to just live. You know, I was speaking to somebody in Denmark the other day, and they've changed so much. They're not a psychologist. They're not a mental health professional. And I said, do you mind if I ask what you do? And she said, I sell flowers at a gas station. But she said, my life has changed so much because I, I've lost my depression. I know what it is. I know it's just thought now. And I'm happy and I share as I sell my flowers. And so people sometimes feel like, okay, now I've heard about the principles. I've gained some insight. I've got to share my wisdom. I've got to start a coaching business. I've got to do this. I've got, you know, you don't. And that's what I said in that minute clip that people are responding to because they're hungry to know that the best thing you can do for the world is just live in well-being. Thank you so, so much for this extraordinary conversation. Thank you, Fiona. I really appreciate the invitation, and it's been a gift to me as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Relatable where we are committed to taking the stress and confusion out of relationships. If you're keen to find out more, the best place to start is to head on over to my website, fionalukies.com.au, where you can download my free Relationship Masterclass video series or join the waitlist for Relatable, my brand new online program where I personally take you through how to have a great relationship with anyone.